If you will, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6, we're going to be there in just a moment. But we're actually, we've been in Acts for a while. But you're like, Josh, we're going backwards and not forwards. We're, we're further along than Acts chapter 6. We are. But today I want to give a special message on this special day as we ordained Cullen Sanderson to ministry. I want to talk about the importance of a church developing people. And especially when it comes to being in contrast with entertaining people. You know, it's interesting. I have two sons, Jake and James. Jake is the oldest one. He's nine. James is six. James just started kindergarten this past uh, August. And he's growing up fast. And he's doing great in a lot of areas. But one of the things that I've noticed in his life, and to be honest with you, his mother is not helping in this area, is that he loves to be babied. Okay, he is a baby, right? He is a baby in the family. And so those of you who are moms understand, you know, the last baby is that, that baby who always gets babied. But he's getting babied a little bit too much, to be honest with you. He really is. He's getting babied a little bit too much. And I'll tell you what I'm talking about. So at dinner time, he says sometimes, Mommy, I want you to feed me. And I said, no, 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 no. If you can go to kindergarten, you don't need to be fed. You feed yourself. You pick up your own utensil, you put it in your own mouth, and you put it back down. You know what I'm talking about. Or sometimes he'll say, hey, um, I want Mommy to help dress me. No, 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 no. He knows not to ask for Daddy because I'm like, no, you go up there and you do it yourself. And so, he, but I need mom's help. No, you don't. You can do it on your own. I know that. And what he's saying is this. I want you to do things for me so I won't have to do the work. Right? That's the bottom line. That's the basic thing that he's saying. The hard difficulty is that a lot of people do the same type of thing when it comes to church. I want you to feed me. Feed me, feed me. And so the only meal that I'm going to get is if I'm in a church service on a Sunday morning or Wednesday night <coughs> or Sunday night, whenever it may be. That's the only time they're going to get fed because they're not feeding themselves the word of God. They're depending on someone else. Hey, I want you to have all these programs so I make sure that everything is right and in order. You make sure that you provide the things for me. And what we find in God's word is that the church is not supposed to be an entertainment venue. The, ch the church is supposed to be a factory that develops people and sends them out on mission. And it, in some places, is seen backwards. And so I just want to explain today from God's word, if I can, why I believe it is so important for a church to be a church that develops people and not just entertains them. You know, in our relationship with our boys, we tell our boys all the time, Mallory and I are not just supposed to be your entertainment committee. Sometimes they'll ask us, 
hey, mom and dad, we went to the zoo today. We did this thing this afternoon. We did another activity. Well, what do, we, what do you have planned for me tonight? And I'm like, I have planned to be in a recliner and to be resting, you know, like from all the stuff that we have just done. I'm not your entertainment people. That's not why God sent me on this earth. I want to do fun stuff. Don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day, I believe my greatest responsibility with my family and my greatest responsibility with this church to, is to make sure that this church is a church that doesn't entertain people for the sake of entertainment, but develops people to grow in their relationship with Christ so that they can then go out and share that with other people. So two overarching reasons that I'm going to share today about why I believe this is so important. And the first is this, simply Jesus was constantly developing people. Jesus was constantly developing people. You think about how Jesus developed people. The first thing he did was he made disciples. The whole idea of discipleship came from Jesus. It was modeled from him. His whole ministry was not about filling stadiums with people to hear him preach. He invested specifically into the lives of 12 men, and he entrusted real ministry to them. And his process of making disciples really comes down to three simple things. And I believe these three things can also be employed by each one of us as we look at the way that Jesus modeled it. And it comes down to this. Hear this, watch me, and imitate that. If you want to know how to make disciples, let's look at how Jesus did. He employed these three things. Hear this, watch me, imitate that. So let's take each one of those and look at them. Hear this. Jesus spent a huge amount of time teaching his disciples. He taught them how to pray. Many people don't know how to pray. You know, it was even said last year, my son was in preschool, and every single night before bed, we pray with our boys. That's just one of the traditions that we do every single night. And we pray because we think it's important, but we're also teaching them how to pray. And so his preschool teacher came to us at a local church, and she told us, she said, hey, I have to tell you all something. Your son James, the same one that doesn't like to dress himself, <laughs> this is how I know he's able to do more. She said, he's taught this whole class how to pray. I thought, man, what an amazing blessing to hear that a five-year-old is teaching other five-year-olds how to pray. How does that happen? Because you have to teach them how to pray. It's very important. He did, Jesus did not just lecture people either. He let his disciples ask questions. You may remember some of the questions that they asked him. They asked him, who was the greatest? That was a fun question for him to ask. They asked him, when are you returning? Questions and answers are a valuable part of the learning experience. And here's the truth. I believe that we too must use the word of God to teach people. We don't teach people based off of the news. We don't teach people based off of the latest book that just came out. We teach people the unchanging message of the word of God and how it intersects and is applicable 
with everyday life. We teach people, but we don't just lecture them. We have time where they can ask questions. You know, I feel like sometimes you hear people and uh, Christians, and they're just always about, hey, man, I'm going to pound this into you, man. I'm just going to pound this into you. And they're never like, hey, do you have any questions? You know, we at Transform Church, we have a time where we ask questions. Like, it's set aside for that. It's called our community groups. It's a time where we sit around circles and we ask questions about what we talk about on Sunday morning. And it's a great environment to be able to say, hey, if there's something that I don't understand, or if there's something that I need more information about, or I need greater clarity, we can do that in those times. Questioning and answering is a really good part of the process. Hear this. Then Jesus also said, watch me. You remember when Jesus welcomed the children to him after the disciples tried to hold them back from him? You think about Jesus who stopped and healed a man, a beggar, on the side of the road, even when he was super busy traveling with his disciples. Jesus even healed a man who was lowered in from a roof during a very busy teaching engagement. He stopped everything, and he healed that man. You know what the disciples were doing meanwhile? Not only were, were they listening to the words that he said, but they were watching what he did. They were watching what he did. I mean, we don't need to know this, but the, the truth is when I look at the life of my two boys, I see my younger one always watching what the older one is doing. And I see him trying to say, hey, what, what is he doing? How is he reacting? Is he laughing? Because if he's laughing then I need to laugh. If he's saying something, then I need to say something. They're watching, and what they're doing is getting ready to, third point, imitate that. Jesus washed the feet of his disciples so that they would go out and do the same thing for others. Paul even talks about this, when he said to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We see this being super important that we not only hear and we not only watch, but we do, we imitate that. And as believers in Jesus, we can do the same thing with people that Jesus did. To say, hey, hear this, I wanna teach you. Watch this, watch me, watch me do this, and then you imitate that. That is a great way to see disciple making happen. And so I want you to know this. If Jesus made disciples, we should too. Second thing that Jesus did is Jesus organized people. Jesus organized people. Sometimes people want to make faith a mystical experience where you just feel your way through life. But I believe that Jesus had the perfect balance of spirit-led living. 
He didn't live in a way that everything was going to be supernaturally delivered to him without any mental or physical effort from his point of view. In fact, in Luke chapter 10, I want you to see this. We see how he is going to, how, how, how 72 guys are going to be sent out in an organized way. Watch this. Luke chapter 10 says this, verse 1, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. He said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. There is, watch this, a plan here. They would go out by twos. They would go out from town to town. They were supposed to pray that the Lord would multiply their numbers so that more people would hear the message of salvation, repent of their sin, and turn to Christ. Let me be clear in this. It is not wrong to have an organized strategy in the church. You know, it's amazing to me when I hear people downplay the importance of an organized strategy or plan within the church. If anybody should have a plan and a strategy, it should be the church. Plenty of organizations have strategies and businesses have strategies. Why, when it comes to the church, should we not? Now, don't misunderstand me. It's not that it should be a man-made strategy or something that we devise in our own heads. No, it should be led by the Spirit of God. And I believe, I would even say, that it would be foolish to not have a plan to organize people around his purposes. One of the most interesting things that Jesus says in the whole chapter of Luke chapter 10 comes later in the story when those men return home. I want you to see this on the screens, Luke chapter 10, verse 23 and following. It says, Then turning to his disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Jesus was saying to them, you guys have seen things that royalty has never seen. You have heard things that people have been wanting to hear. They've elevated themselves to this level. They've acquired all this wealth. They put all these people around them, and yet they have not seen the sights that you've seen. They haven't heard the things that you have heard. Why? Because when Jesus sends people out on mission, amazing things happen. Because people don't go in their own strength. They don't go in their own strategy. They go in the Spirit of God. And as the Spirit of God goes out, I'm telling you, lives will be changed. Jesus made disciples, so we should too. And Jesus organized people, so we should do the same as well. So the first thing, why should we be a developing church? Because Jesus was constantly developing people. 
But what about after his ascension? What about the rest of the New Testament, the church that we've been studying about? Second thing I want you to see is this. The early church continued what Jesus modeled. The early church continued what Jesus modeled. So, just as we've done this morning, the church appointed deacons. Another word for deacons is servants. And this is where we're going to be, Acts chapter 6, starting with verse 1. If, you th- if you're there in your Bible, you will see the beginnings of this idea of deacons in the early church. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, meaning more people were coming to faith in Christ, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of disciples and said, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, hook out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. I want you to know this. According to this passage, teaching and prayer are, the, are not the only assignments or responsibilities of the church. Certainly, people have overarching spiritual needs that affect not only today, but the rest of their life, but people also have physical needs, sometimes in urgent situations. And this is a, 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 an area where deacons can come in and serve people inside of the church in a very helpful and a very practical way. Now today I've already read read to you the biblical qualifications of of a deacon because the Bible is clear that this official title is not just open to anyone. Even we see in this passage right here, make sure that these men are of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom. So it is not just a random selection or a lottery system, but it is an intentional thing where people are saying, hey, how can we expand our ministry to make sure that people are actually taken care of? See, here's the thing. If you go to a Malco movie theater and you buy a ticket, you sit down in that theater And for a couple of hours, you stare at a screen and you will be hopefully entertained. That's the hope, right? But here's the thing. After you leave that facility, Malco has no responsibility for you. They don't don't care about you. They don't care what you are going through in your life. They don't care about the needs that you have. Because they are a company that's focused on entertainment. It's not wrong that they do that as a company. But here's the thing. The church is not a Malco theater. We are not the Orpheum. We don't just hold services so that we can fill seats and entertain people. We actually want to take care of people. We want to serve people. We want to minister to people. And what the New Testament talks a lot about is starting within the body of Christ. I mean, if someone on the outside was looking inside the church and the church did not take care of its people, why in the world would they want to be a part of it? You see, it's also a witness to people on the outside to say, we take care of people, we love people, we care for people, we provide for people. 
Do we preach to them? Yes. Do we pray for one another? Yes. Will we help to meet their physical needs? Yes, we will. That's what a church is supposed to be about. You know, a few weeks ago, we had a family that came down with COVID. One of the members of that family had to go to the hospital. There were a lot of complications. There were a lot of things going on. And I've told John, as our deacon, I said, listen, you tell me if there's a situation where somebody is hurting, somebody's in need, you let me know and we will meet that need. He texted me, he said, Josh, I need a gift card for DoorDash. We need to get these people some food and they need to be able to order it whenever they want it and wherever they want it and they can get whatever they want. They don't have to have another, you know, fruit salad or whatever. You know, they, they can order whatever they want, right? I said, done, done. And he delivered that, made that happen with that family. That's what I'm talking about. That's the kind of care that is practical that happens in the body of Christ. And you may be like, hey, that's just a simple thing. That's a silly example. No, that's real for them. You think about being in their situation, and some of you have been. Some of you know what that's like. And so people coming alongside of them and saying, hey, we want to care for those in the body of Christ. The church appointed deacons. So should we. Lastly is this. The church sent out missionaries. We've talked about this in the past few weeks. The church at Antioch was a brand new church, as we're in this study, made up primarily of Gentile converts. And this church sent out Paul and Barnabas on a mission to spread the gospel. Acts chapter 13 tells us, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work for which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. And what we find is that Paul and Barnabas, empowered and supported by their church, was sent out on mission, going from town to town and spreading the word of God. They were sent out. You see, sometimes we think that church is all about getting people in and just confining them to this one area or confining them to this one idea. When the Lord says, I want you to develop people here so that they can be sent out as missionaries to other places. I'm telling you this. I cannot wait for the day that we have someone in our church growing in their faith, hearing from the Lord, and realizing that they have a call to go out to a different place. It may be a different city in our country. It may be a completely different country. I can't wait for that day because I want to lose people in our church. No, 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 no. Because this is what it's all about. It's all about raising up people and sending them out. Because listen, I don't want just Memphis, Tennessee transformed for the gospel of Jesus. I want this world transformed for the gospel of Jesus. People need him in every neighborhood, on every street corner. People need the Lord in every state, in every nation, every people group, every tribe, every language. People need Jesus, and I can't wait until our church 
is a part of sending out people who say, I'm going to move to another place for one reason, and that's to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because I can't wait to say, you know what? Your church is going to come alongside of you, and we're going to support you, and we're going to give financially to you, and we're going to send you out, and we're going to encourage and pray for you. We're going to come and visit you. I can't wait for that day. I believe it's going to happen as long as we keep our focus on saying we are a church that is about developing and not just entertaining people. Entertainment is okay, it's fine. I like to be entertained in many times. But entertainment does not encourage action. Entertainment, a lot of times, encourages greater comfort in your life and keeping you in the same place. Development is a process where we're always growing. We're always doing. We're always on mission for the Lord. And to be honest with you, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's difficult. Sending out people from your church, even though it's done joyously, means they're going to be missed in the church, in the body, right? I'm sure Paul and Barnabas, they not being in the church at Antioch, that left a hole there. That left a leadership gap there that they were functioning in. And yet, if the early church sent out missionaries, we should send out missionaries. I hope and I pray that Transformed Church is always a church that is focused on developing people. And just as we've seen today, in living color and example today, I pray that we continue to see couples raised up and sent out on mission, raised up ministering to people, raised up and going out to this community, raised up and going out further than the 901. I'm praying for that. I really am. And I believe it's possible. If we stay focused on Jesus, if we stay focused on him.